Tell you again, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, you know, <laughs> cold weather slows us down sometimes, but it don't slow the Lord down. He's, uh, he's ever-present, and, and he is, uh, weather does not bother him, and time does not bother him. Now, time is constrained, you and I, and you know, even industry recognizes that because most people work over at a job by so much an hour. <laughs> and if you refine that down, <clears throat> what that's saying is you've just really got so much time and somebody that wants you to work for them pays you for that. But the Lord, uh, time means nothing to him. I believe it's... Uh, uh, Peter said that a, a thousand years is one day to the Lord and one day is a thousand years. That, mean, that means to, to the Godhead that there's no time constraint. Now, God did put a time constraint on us. Uh, we've only got so many days uh, uh, up on the earth and, and uh, the psalmist talked about that and and God has appointed a time when uh, we're going to give an account to the Lord for what we've done. But uh, I'd like to say it's good to be here this morning. And so again, we, we appreciate our visitors and hope and pray God will bless you this morning. You might be turning your Bible to John chapter 18. John, 1 John, not 1 John, St. John chapter 18. 18. Now, our, uh, in, our, in our Sunday school lesson, we have just gone through John 17, and you Bible readers will understand that to be the Lord's Prayer. I mean, He is praying to the Father, and He makes some statements in there that, uh, that sometimes we do not comprehend. And rightly so, because he is talking to the Father, and he and the Father knows things that they have not told me and you. And so uh, when he says, uh, but we, uh, we, we had a good time, I had a good time teaching about verse 24, and I'll just read that briefly, try to bring you up to speed on our lesson today. He said, Father... I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. And, and I think I made a statement that that's one of the most important verses in the Bible as far as letting me and you know what's in store for us. I mean... Uh, I mean, he, the Lord, has got a will. And, and he has made this will out uh, for, uh, for the heirs. And Paul talked about us being heirs in Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. Well, how come us there? How come us to be heirs? Uh, are you an heir because of your last name in the Bible? No. 
No, we're not an heir because of our last name. Now, you might be an heir of your parents or your grandparents because of your last name, but you're not an heir of God because of your last name. You're an heir of God because Jesus Christ filled out his will that all that the Father gave him might be with him in eternity. You see what I mean? So he put us in his will. You know, and I mean, if you get a hold of that, you might want to run a little bit. I mean, forever and ever, a new body. That's what the Bible promised us. And I'm kind of, uh, uh, I'm kind of uh, uh, surprised that sometimes we forget what a good uh, future we got. See, I mean, you and I uh, was born in sin, came forth speaking lies, David said, and David said that about himself, and, and you could say that about yourself. That's who we were in Adam. But in Jesus Christ, we are included in his will. Now, <laughs> it's kind of like, a little bit like your natural birth, you, you did not choose what family you would be born into. I mean, hey, they talk about equal rights, and can I say this to you young people? Nothing in life is equal. <laughs> some people were born into rich families, and some of us were born into poor families. See? And that's what I mean by that. So life is not equal. I don't care what the equal rights people say. Life is not equal. But in Jesus Christ, you can be equal with someone else. And we all are equal when it comes to an heir. Jesus Christ put us in his will. Man. And I, I hope that as a, as, a, as a child of God, you'll put some thought in that because that'll, uh, uh, that'll liven you up if when you realize what a rich future we've got. Now, you know, uh, some of us don't, didn't have too much down here, but are we under? Are we under? And I read it. I'm not going to go back to it, but I read uh, Revelation chapter 21 about the new Jerusalem where me and you are going to wind up in, right? And we got songs. These songs writers wrote, uh, uh, Walls of Jasper and Straight of Gold, I'll Meet You by the River. And Now, I'm not up here saying every song in that, in that hymnal is scriptural. They're not. But the ones we choose has got some scriptural meaning to them and got a future. But anyway, I wanted to get that in your mindset this morning as I go into the next chapter. Now, Jesus is preparing himself for crucifixion. Now, the disciples, he's told them, I'm going to be taken from you. They're going to, mankind, men are going to take me. They're going to abuse me. And they're going to crucify me and I'm going to die. And the disciples don't really know what to make of that. 
I mean, I mean, we see Peter saying, no, Lord, you're not going to do that. You come down here to start the millennial reign and you're going to throw these Romans off and, uh, and we're going right into millennial reign. That was Peter's thought. But Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God. And he really didn't. Now, the reason for that, and there's several reasons, but the main reason was Jesus came to the earth not only to bring truth and, 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 uh, and mercy, because remember now, under the law, there was no mercy. The law had no mercy. When it gave, uh, for example, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments were not the Ten Suggestions. And that's kind of the way people play it today. Say, well, are you a Christian? Well, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to live the Ten Commandments. You ever hear anybody say that? See? Well, the Bible didn't say try to do it. It said you must do it. Now, when we hear the law say you must do it, what's our reaction? If you're honest, you'll say, I can't do it. And I'll tell you, I can't do it. But you know what? Now, if you're going to heaven, if you're going to heaven when you leave this earth, you're going to have to be perfect. God wouldn't let an unperfect person get into a perfect heaven without being perfect. One man said, well, I can't be perfect. And I say amen, I can't either. So if you can't be perfect, you better get in somebody that is. See, and Jesus was perfect. He lived the law to a jot and tittle. He fulfilled the law of God. When, 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 the, when the law demanded perfection and me and you couldn't give it, Jesus gave it for you. See, he came to this earth to die to die for you and I. See, now that was in the forewill of God and nobody could change it, nobody could move it. It's going to happen. So our lesson today is Jesus is getting ready for that. Now, I need to say something. Jesus Christ was all God and all man at the same time. Now, it was a blessing, and maybe you're not a Bible reader, and I'm, I'm not uh, criticizing that, but I just want you to know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. His, his body, his body was brought into this world by a virgin. Now, that says some things biblically. The first thing it says, that he's not a child of Adam. There was not a drop of Adam's blood in Jesus. Although he had a body, he had two hands, two feet, two eyes, two ears. He had a body like unto ours. But, but his blood was not Adam's blood. Therefore, he was not a sinner. You and I are sinners because we are descendants of Adam. So when Jesus was born of a virgin... That did two great things for us. Number one, 
it prepared him a body so he could die. Now, before he got a body, God can't die. God cannot die. But God gave him a body of the woman. And that made him, according to the law of Moses, a near kinsman to you and me. And a near kinsman could redeem his brother. <laughs> Ain't that good? <laughs> a near kinsman could redeem his brother. He had a poor brother, got in debt. Probably some of them got sold into slavery. Well, your uncle or your brother or your, uh, 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 or your grandfather could pay you out under the law of Moses. Now that was a figure of Jesus Christ paying your sin debt. See, that's where we get the doctrine in, in uh, Romans. <clears throat> uh, I believe it's chapter 4. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now Paul was taking that from the Psalms where David said that. See, now what that indicates is that we are sinners. We are sinners. But when you come to Jesus Christ and get your sins forgiven, God does not impute your sins to you. You say, what does God do with them? According to uh, Revelations 1.5, He washes your sins away. See, now it does not mean that you will be perfect in the flesh. Don't mean that. But it just means that God will take care of your sins through the blood of His Son as long as you live. And God does not impute to you sin. As far as God's concerned, if you're saved, you're born again, as far as God's concerned, you never have sinned. I know that's hard to believe. Oh, I don't know about that. Yes. What is the new covenant? What is the new covenant? This is a covenant I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and write them in their minds and, and, and forgive their iniquities. See? So if you're saved, I'm trying to tell you, because of Jesus Christ paid your sin debt, God forgot what we used to be. You say, does God forget something? God only forgets what he wants to forget. Now let me say this as your friend. And I'm not, I'm not criticizing you. I'm not jumping on you. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. If you don't get born again, God remembers everything about you. And that's why you're going to judgment. See? And lost sinners will be judged according to what they've done. See? And they won't be judged to see if we're going to heaven or hell. Let me say this clear as I know how. No scripture in the Bible says we go to judgment to see if we're saved or lost. That's false religion doctrine. Well, I'm going to go up there. If my good outweighs my bad, I'll be all right. Show it to me. 
Not in there. I tell you what is in there. I tell you what is in there in Romans 3.21. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means me and my folks and you and your folks. That's who that means. See? So, so Jesus was born of a virgin, and, and he, and, but he remained perfect before God. See? So that when he went through life and his life on earth, when it came to an end, according to the will of God, he could still be a perfect Savior. God accepted his righteousness for me. Is that good news? I can't live it. Nobody could live it. See? Jesus said, uh, Moses gave you the law, and none of you have kept it. That's what the Lord said. But he kept it. And since he kept it, God can bring his righteousness upon you if you repent and trust him as your Savior. God promised that. See? Otherwise, everybody's lost. And as, one, as Paul said, uh, if Christ uh, uh, did not rise, then our faith is vain. Let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And that's what the world's doing. You know why? Because they're unbelievers. See, now let me say this carefully. No unbeliever ever gets saved. You've got to believe. You've got to believe, number one, that you're a sinner. And you've got to believe, number two, that God sent Christ to die for you. And he took your place. See? Now, really, judicially, according to the law, it ought to have been me and you on that cross. See, that's, that's what you pay the sin debt, was what was on that cross. Now, and, and, and I know not only that, but his soul was made an offering for sin. See? Now, me and you could endure... If we had to, we could endure the cross. But we couldn't endure our souls being made an offering for sin because our soul is not perfect like his was. See? So his righteous soul, according to Isaiah 53, was made, uh, 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 his soul was made an offering for sin. And praise God. The Bible says that when he saw when God saw the travail of his soul, God was satisfied. God was not only satisfied that his son pleased him, but God was satisfied that his son's uh, 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 agony and suffering could please God so much that he could let me and you in on it. Not my righteousness. I don't have any. I don't have any. His righteousness. All right. That's the introduction. Chapter, eight, chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, that's that prayer, he went forth with his disciples over the brook uh, uh, Cedron, 
where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek you? They answered to him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Jews also which betrayed him stood with them. And as, as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek you? They said, and they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them, which of them which thou gavest me I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear, and the servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which the fa my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? <clears throat> I want to turn, I want to turn over to Luke uh, chapter 22 and get just a few more details on this because Luke gives more details. If we, if we turn over to Luke chapter 22 and, and we start reading at uh, verse, uh, let me see, I had it marked, verse 39. Now, now, now Luke is going to give the same picture, but use a few different words. So I wanted you to get this. I'm reading, I'm reading at verse 39 in Luke 22 now. And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove the cup from me, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Then appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep you? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude... <coughs> And he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. And Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with a sword? And one of them smote 
serve the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. And Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves. While I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. And now I wanted, I wanted to read that because, as I said, Luke brings a little more, a little more uh, of the things that happen. Jesus is mentally preparing to go to Calvary. And his, his, the part of him that was, that was human dreaded to go. So he is praying, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. What he's saying is, is if there be any other way that you can forgive Adam's sin, let it be. Nevertheless, thy will be done. So we can conclude that the answer from God, the Father, was there's no other way. There's no other way. No wonder Peter said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. What does that say? What did that verse say? What did that verse say? There's no other way for a man to be saved. Not your good deeds, not your good thoughts, not, not uh, obeying your father and mother, although that's good and you ought to do that, but it won't get you to heaven. See? So Jesus had to, had to endure this and he is preparing for the cross. He knows full well what he is going to have to suffer. And as a man... As a man, he dreads that. Now, if we address the crowd that's with Judas, of course, Jesus had preached to them. We think about three and a half years, just on and on and on. I am the Lamb. Take away John the Baptist, defined him as the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world. And everybody in the Jewish religion understood a Lamb to represent an animal of sacrifice. So it was the Lamb of God take away the sin of the world. Now, I do not understand, although I read this to you, I think had I been in that crowd and I saw two miracles. Number one, when they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth, and he said, I am he, and they fell backward. Why did they fall backward? Because deity is speaking. Yet they are so hard-hearted till they rejected the message. The second miracle, Peter cut a feller's ear off and Jesus just immediately healed it. Is not this the Son of God doing miracles among you which the Jews the Jews required a sign. There are the signs. See? 
And so we see here that Jesus is beginning to have a heavy heart because what he's going to face. And, and can I say this to you? Although he was God, he was man also. And when you stuck a nail in his hand, it hurt. Just like it was hurt if you did it. See? And so, but nevertheless, see? And that's why that we claim him not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. He suffered so much for us. And it is a sad commentary for me to see people that Jesus suffered so much for them, and yet they will not believe. Now, I want to close my lesson this morning by turning you to uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and read a few verses there uh, concerning this. And, 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 And Hebrews, I think, gives a clear picture of what Jesus was suffering, what it meant for in, in, in the heavenly realm of what Jesus was doing on earth. If we look at Hebrews chapter 5, and, and we start about verse 5, it says, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. <clears throat> As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, which David said that in Psalms 110, verse 4. See? Now, now the writer here of Hebrews is telling us that God chose Jesus Christ to be a high priest for me and you. Not only only a high priest, but an offering. So he's a perfect offering, and he's a perfect high priest. Now what's a high priest's job? What was the high priest supposed to do? Yeah, he made an offering to God, and if it was a scriptural high priest, God accepted his offering. Now under the law, God accepted one of the Levites' uh, offering when he went in the Holy of Holies, and God accepted their offering for the time then being. Now that did not wash away their sins, but it was a commandment of God showing them that uh, their sins were rolled forward. And and God remembered their sins again after a year. So they had to do it over and over and over under the law dispensation, but not under our dispensation. He died once to put away sin. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he died to put away sin? So the writer goes ahead and said right here, uh, uh, I'm down to verse 7 who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers, supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. 
Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect. Get this now. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So what's he saying here? Who in the days of his flesh, the writer here is reflecting on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the days of his flesh, he called on him. Why? Because he was man. And he foreknew what he was going to suffer. And it was great suffering. Not only, not only uh, was it physical anguish, it was mental anguish of what Jesus foresaw that he was going to suffer. But, but, it says, though he were a son, and that's a capital S there. Hope you'll notice that in your Bible. Although he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And verse 9 is a great verse. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that them that obey him. The author of eternal salvation. See, the Bible is declaring him to be a perfect Savior. You, you trust him, and he can get the job done. See, God's not looking for any other. He's not looking for you to help Jesus save you. Jesus died alone. And I'm, 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 I'm going to say it again, what I said a while ago. Isaiah 53, and when he saw the travail of his soul, he was satisfied. That means God wasn't satisfied with any other offering. He was not satisfied with any other moral living. He was not satisfied with any great standing in the earth's uh, great men and women. He was not satisfied with that. He was satisfied when he saw the travail of his son's soul. When God blacked out the universe, we'll get into that later, Lord willing, and wouldn't let anybody look in because he and the son were doing business. He were doing business for me and you. And so, you know, that, who, can, who, can, who can forsake such great salvation? See, that's why Paul said it's the gift of God. You can't do anything for it. You can't work for it. You can't uh, brag on yourself enough to get it. You, you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, and he gives eternal life to as many as comes to him. All right, I thank you for listening to me this morning. I'm out of time. Uh, this has been kind of scattering, but I hope and pray you've gotten something from it. And... Uh, and I uh, hope and pray that uh, the Lord visits in a mighty way today and uses his word uh, to uh, cause us saints to rejoice and will cause sinners to see their need for a Savior.